KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. So, more and more Americans are getting vaccinated for COVID 19. That is very good news. But we are also constantly reading stories about variants of the virus, hearing anecdotes about someone testing positive after getting a vaccine shot. And recently, there's been a lot of talk about the idea of maybe people should be wearing two masks. It can all seem overwhelming and lead to questions like, well, why do I need two masks if the vaccine is so effective? Are we in danger of pushing people away from getting vaccinated because some may feel what's the point with all this other news out there? To talk about what some have termed vaccine alarmism, we caught up with Dr. Neil Goldstein. He is an assistant research professor of epidemiology at the Drexel University Dornsife School of Public Health. Really important conversation. Check it out. So before we talk and go down some conversations about messaging and stuff like that. Let's just talk about vaccines. We've now got three of them in the field. This is really incredible, and these are really good, aren't they? It is absolutely incredible. I mean, it's almost a miracle. We have only known about this virus for, gosh, a little bit over a year now, and we have a vaccine for it. And not only do we have a vaccine, we have several vaccines that are using a newer technology that have proven incredibly, incredibly effective. And now with the Johnson & Johnson one that's um, on, on another type of technology, it's also shown to be quite an effective vaccine. We are also starting to have real world evidence of the true effectiveness of this because the efficacy of vaccines that we've seen so far have been in clinical trials now that they're rolling out in populations. We're seeing evidence to suggest that it is as good as we're seeing in the clinical trial. So, yes, truly remarkable. So that leads, we've got this, finally, this get out of jail free card here. And yet I still feel like, and I was surprised to learn that there actually is a term about this called vaccine alarmism, that a lot of the messaging and a lot of the reporting has this feeling of like, yeah, but, and that there's always... Well, this variant, the New York variant or the variant we saw in South Africa, and I don't want to say fear mongering because I think most of it is done in good faith and people just putting stuff out there. But I I do feel like we get a lot of mixed messaging when it comes to just how effective these vaccines are and how they are the way out. Yes, I agree with you. Um, This is... I mean, this conversation alone could span well beyond how long your listeners are have an attention span for. I think the short answer is that a lot of scientists and a lot of people in public health have a certain training and they are trained to be skeptics. So when we go to relay information, whether it's through a scientific publication, presentation, or to a general audience like what we're doing now, we always have at the back of our mind that yes, this works, but under X, Y, and Z conditions. So we're kind of conditioned this way. It it happens just through the course of our training and how we go to deliver messages. The downside to this, though, is when you start putting all these caveats out there, it calls to question the soundness of your findings. And we have to be unequivocal here to say that these vaccines are, like I said, extraordinarily effective. That's it without having all these qualifications. 
now, if we then get into more of these scientific discussions, that's when like all these nuances and caveats happen. So you walk a very fine line in public health between wanting to be transparent, but at the same time, not wanting to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. And how do you avoid that? Because I think you understand like a public health person wants to say, we have to be, we have to watch out for this. We have to be, you know, we have to be vigilant and all that, you know, but you could also understand a year in with vaccines on the way, you have some people, well, I thought the vaccines were, why are we worrying about, why are we now talking about wearing two masks? I thought that, you know, the vaccines were going to, to be the end of this. It's a, it's a difficult needle to thread, but I feel like overall, and I, from messaging to media, we've done a pretty poor job of kind of putting things in perspective. I think the pendulum has swung a little bit too far in that direction of this alarmist mentality. And, uh, you know, maybe one example that can help relate kind of this inherent tension that's very difficult is the idea of smoking cessation laws. And I know, you know, we're talking about vaccination. Why would smoking enter here? But it's a good example to kind of depict this tension we have in public health. The public health message is very broad. Smoking is bad for you. That has been demonstrated for decades now. But you can still have that proverbial uh, Uncle Burns who smokes, you know, a pack a day and lives into their 90s. So while the public health messaging at a population level is clearly a benefit, you have these anomalies in, in certain cases of people that don't necessarily have any benefit from the public health message or they go against it and, and they do just fine. That's the tension that we live in. But public health is for populations. It's for communities. It's for the greater good. And that's why these messages that we have really need to focus on that without having these kind of like the, these if and buts that apply at an individual level. So in terms of vaccination, you know, that is just these vaccines are incredibly effective that's the end of that, um, you know, that, that's, that should be the end of the messaging. It, it, to some extent, we've, when I say the pendulum has swung too far in this other direction, when we've had the conversation about, well, I've been vaccinated or I'm going to see people who have been vaccinated, I still should be maintaining distance from them, wearing a mask, wearing two masks, and, and so forth. I, I think that is the damaging part of this because if we say that you, you know, after getting vaccination, you still need to do these things, and people are going to say, well, why do I, why should I get a vaccine in the first place if it's not going to change anything? And that's, you know, if we could kind of dial back a little bit to just say you know, the message is get a vaccination so we can return as a society back to having a normal life as quickly as possible. Everybody who's eligible, get vaccinated as soon as you can. Because I think like we hear the news of these variants and it's been like every couple of weeks, I feel like we've, there's been a new one. Are we doing a disservice focusing on these variants? Are they worthy of bringing up in the public discourse? Because as I understand, this is just life with a virus. Like this is not something, this is not dystopian end of times things that these variants are going to eventually turn us into zombies. And I'm being a little flippant, but sometimes you feel like that's how it's portrayed. But this was fully expected, correct, for something like this? Absolutely. Um, viruses mutate all the time. This is just what happens through natural selection over time. 
Um, and, and, and so on the one hand, it's scientifically interesting what happens with these over time, whether or not this, you know, should be, uh, whether or not it's good fodder for news though, I'm not sure I, I have the answer to that one. The, the, the question that we, you know, ultimately need to understand is, do these, uh, do, do these mutations somehow confer a difference in, in, in somebody's immune response? So far, the evidence seems to be very encouraging, and that is that vaccinations have some protective benefit regardless of what type of coronavirus somebody gets exposed to. And one of the things, and we talked about this off the air, there was a story about a member of Congress who got their second vaccination shot and tested positive like two days after they, and the headline, you know, despite two shots, congressman so-and-so tests positive. And I remember hearing, oh, that doesn't, but then you're like, they didn't get sick. They didn't get into the hospital. It's, it's not that big a deal. And things aren't going to be perfect. There are going to be things that happen if we're focused on all these little things that, that happen that I don't want to say quirky, but are the vast minority as opposed to the 400 members of Congress who were vaccinated and are fine. Like we need to keep, I guess, perspective and context is critical here now. Oh, totally. And uh, this, this almost goes back to the beginning of the pandemic response. And the messaging has been, or at least the public perception of the messaging has been, this virus will kill you. We're in this new normal now of social distancing and, and uh, masking at all times. And I think we've scared the crap out of people in public health, honestly. And now people are very afraid to go back to any kind of semblance of, of, of more normal activity or even you know, enrolling their kids, getting their kids back to in-person school and so forth. So we've really, we've really scared people quite effectively. And it's going to be very difficult to unwind that now. You know, it, it's going to just take time, really. And, is, and this ties into our conversation about alarmism. Well, if we say get vaccinated, but you still need to do X, Y, and Z here, then again, people you know, say, well, why? Why do, I need to do, why do I need to do this if we're still in this, in this mentality? So it's really, it, 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 this alarmism kind of way of putting it, it is quite appropriate. And it is easy to focus your attention on these really anomalous news stories where you see somebody who got vaccinated and still got sick. And so forth, and, and we have a um, there's there's a quote in, in uh, epidemiology that the plural of uh, anecdote is not data. How should we be approaching this to get the info out, but not turn mm -hmm. every story that takes us off the main path into a five alarm fire? Oh my gosh, that is the. That is the million dollar question right now. So we're already at this point, right? Where, like I said, the, I think the pendulum is swung a little bit too far in this direction that we've really effectively scared people. Um, and how do we get it back to that other area? I'm afraid that I don't have a good answer for that. We have in public health, a whole field of uh, specialists and experts who do something called um, implementation and dissemination work. That's who I turn to in this time. For me as an epidemiologist, I feel like my main role is to produce the evidence and have this evidence get out there into the public that yes, vaccines are effective, that wearing a mask is effective and so forth. But in terms of, of, this, of, the, of the messaging and how that gets related to the public, 
that's when I turn to my colleagues in these other fields. And certainly we have a very rich history in vaccination. You know, this is, this is nothing new that we're dealing with right now in terms of people being either hesitant or scared about vac vaccination. And we've fought this battle for quite a long time. Uh, the overwhelming uh, majority of people, like they're, they're still totally pro-vaccination. It's really a very small yet some, somehow very vocal minority of individuals as well. So I almost feel like you need to have um, somebody back on your show that's an expert in that area to fully answer that question. Are you encouraged where we, despite all this talk, you know, I think we're now at a place where 2 million vaccine doses a day now, uh, at least uh, many of the last several days. Are you encouraged that we are starting to see the boulder roll downhill in a good direction? Yes, I'm definitely encouraged by the progress that's being made. And it's, it's progress that's been challenged in some respect by the lack of having a, a national or federal uh, oversight or coordination of this. Um, but, so we're seeing, of course, then there's a lot of heterogeneity in states that are doing better than, than others. But overall, I mean, we're still seeing 15, 20 percent of people who are eligible for vaccination uh, having gotten their first shot. And um, the number of doses that are being delivered is constantly increasing the doses that are being used. So it's not just a matter of delivering doses to the states, they have to use them. The number of doses that are being used is increasing. I am encouraged by this. And you know, when we, when we take a look at not only the rollout of the vaccination programs, but just um, historically from the past year, how many people have been uh, infected and either, you know, asymptomatically were infected or infected and, and got sick, uh, there are a fair number of people now that are getting some immunity to this virus. So I don't think the end is next week. I don't think the end is next month, but my, my crystal ball would tell me by the end of this year, we're going to be in a pretty good situation where I, I think we can say a lot of this will be behind us. What would be some of the signs we should look for either numbers-wise, anecdotal-wise, government messaging-wise, that we have hit a level where we could see life get back to normal relatively quick, like where things would start to accelerate. Because I heard one great yeah. way it was described to me in a previous interview, the end of the pandemic is not a light switch flipping on and off. It is a dimmer switch, and you slowly things start to get brighter and brighter. But are there some things we should look for that would really tell the story of, okay, we're really starting to get to a good place now? First of all, I love a good analogy like that. I wish I had a gift for coming up with clever analogies. I don't. My, my delivery tends to be very dry and matter of fact. The indicators that we would look for, though, a lot of them are, are found at the health department level. So for Delaware, for example, you, know, you can go onto the uh, dashboard for the uh, Division of Public Health. And you can see there, they have certain thresholds that indicate when we drop below this threshold, this happens and so forth. Those are really the indicators that we're looking at here. I mean, it's gonna to have to do with hospitalizations, um, percent positivity of tests and so forth. And once we start consistently dropping below those, those show us that we are doing something correct, that things are moving in the right direction. We are very encouraged by what's happened over the past month. The question I think a lot of us have in our minds is, is this an anomaly or is this a true trend that will continue? 
it seems that in other areas it's kind of plateaued, maybe even ticking back up, ticking back up slightly. But we're just going to keep getting more people vaccinated and more people immune. So we are definitely trending in this right direction. Is the is COVID nineteen going to be even when life gets quote unquote back to normal? Is it still going to be a part of our life, kind of like flu, the common cold is, where it is not the sky is falling, but You'll have people that come down with it, get sick. Is it just going to be a part of our life going forward for at least the next few years? I think so. I think it's going to be going what we call in the field endemic. It'll be seasonal. It'll. I don't want to say it's going to be like the seasonal cold. Um, there's other coronaviruses out there that cause seasonal cold. It may be more like seasonal flu, um, a little bit more severe. Uh, we'll probably see a vaccine that um, is in line with the seasonal flu vaccine. Who knows, maybe even part of it. I'm sure those studies are underway right now. Uh, but in, you know, if you don't mind me talking a little epidemiology right now, there's a concept in infectious disease epidemiology called the iceberg concept of infectious diseases. And what that means is that at the top of the iceberg, what you see tend to be are the really severe infectious diseases that cause a lot of morbidity and mortality. That is, though, the overwhelming minority of infectious diseases. And what we don't see at the bottom of the iceberg are all of the organisms that either live in harmony with us or uh, cause minor diseases and minor, um, minor afflictions. So as an organism struggles for survival, it tends to select for the organisms that want to, that, that have the easiest time of replicating in their host. And that would mean not killing the host or not causing really serious disease. Um, so na through natural selection over time, what we may in fact see is this is the virus become a little bit less pathogenic and more just kind of like a seasonal uh, a seasonal illness that we deal with. Of course, time will tell whether or not that, that holds true. There are always exceptions to the rule. Getting back to the idea of the vaccine alarmism, how much was that heightened by the idea that this whole thing was really politicized for a long time, where you had people desperate to show it wasn't that big a deal. You had extremists in both camps, people that wanted to ignore completely and people that were against anything that might be. And you, I still see it now as, you know, states open up a little bit. I see people on Twitter complaining that it's too early. And I'm not necessarily meaning public health people. I just mean you know, Joe that works at Walmart. How much have we hurt ourselves in this point by having almost for a long time every step of this politicized? I mean, frankly, I don't know how it's not politicized. Public health is a government function. And because it's a government function, it will inherently been politicized. The vaccine um, debate, and we probably shouldn't even call it a debate because the vaccine science is unequivocal, but this has been going on in this country for over 100 years now. So it also shouldn't have come as a surprise that we were going to be, you know, that we would wind up in this setting right now. And there, there are many, many experts in public health who anticipated that this was going to be a struggle um, and, and are, you know, essentially in damage control mode right now, trying to enforce the, the, the narrative that this is the vaccine that is safe and effective and we want people to get it right now. But just because of the, the, the fact that this is a government, um, that public health is falls under the purview of the government, the state governments mostly, 
it will inherently be politicized. It's an unfortunate reality, but it is a reality. What have we learned? I mean, God forbid we have to go through this again in 5, 10, 15 years on, you know, on another different but similar front. Are there things we have learned about messaging, about information that will help us if we have to go through this again, that maybe it won't reach the point that it did this time around? I hope so, but I'm also somewhat cynical on this. And the reason is because, you know, we're going to have more pandemics. Of course we are. We, the, w- there's been pandemics before. There'll be pandemics again. Pandemics end. They, there's always, you know, we'll always move on beyond this. But I look back at the last major pandemic that we had um, worldwide, which was the, uh, the, the influenza pandemic of 1918-1919. And a lot of things that were controversial then were controversial today. For example, masking. They didn't have vaccination, but they, they had masking. And uh, social distancing and, and closing schools. And these were things that were, you know, they grappled with 100 years ago, a little bit over 100 years ago now. And the fact that we're still struggling with these I just in my cynical sense tells me that these will be things that um, that we have to that we will deal with again if there is another pandemic in our in our lifetimes. But on the, the on the on the like the, the glass half full side of this, um, I do think that we have learned an awful lot this time around about dealing with this in a modern society, in a society that's fully connected through social media and how we can effectively use our science to do incredible things that weren't possible in 1918, 1919. 1919. For example, detecting the virus or isolating the virus within uh, you know, a very short period of time, sequencing the virus, getting the sequence of it within, gosh, a week or so of identifying the organism to a vaccine within a year. That is something that was incredible during this pandemic will only, I think, be ramped up in, in future pandemics, you know, unfortunately, if we, if we should have to go through one. So we've, we've really set the stage this time around for a, a, lot of, a lot of rapid science and a lot of how to deal with this in a fully connected environment. We talked a lot about messaging and, and on the other end, media. If you had to give advice to folks in the media like me about covering this, covering developments, in context, are there any things you would say to maybe ask ourselves these questions before we put this out there or make sure you have the right context for X, Y, and Z before you, you make the headline? Yeah, so I think it depends. If the goal is to change behavior, then that's one thing. If the goal is just for kind of disclosure of information, that's like, like we were saying about the variants. That is not really to change behavior because our behavior shouldn't change based on this. We should continue to do the things we were doing, getting vaccinated first and foremost, followed by wearing a mask and so forth. Um, in that context, you know, perhaps it is worth uh, it's worth questioning. You know, like, what is the story that I'm trying to tell with this? Certainly, transparency and openness of the information is vital, I think, for the success of science and the success of public health. And it's probably the way that that's presented. Maybe there's an opportunity there to change something a little bit. On the other hand, if the story is clearly one like we're having now, where we're trying to promote a good, um, promote 
people to get vaccination. And, you know, that's the, that's the bottom line, the message that to me, you know, in, in that, in that realm, to do like what you're doing now, have the conversations with the people that work in this environment. And for me, as an epidemiologist, I'm more on the evidence producing side of this. I you know, would also love to have this conversation, like I said, with somebody who does implementation and dissemination work. And of course, with the people that are the frontline uh, um, health workers. So I know I'm not totally answering your question there, but that is, that's kind of my, my reaction to it. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.